Good evening. Good evening. Thank you all for being here. Uh, my name is Daniel Ryan, uh, and I'm a uh, board member for the Phoenix Club of Nashville. Uh, and I want to thank you all for being here. This is uh, a big event for us. It's kind of the first event of its uh, type that we've done. So again, thank you for joining on this. I also want to thank the candidates and their staffs, um, a couple other people that I wanted to name specifically, uh, Stella Vazna and the people here at the Owen Graduate School of Management being very generous with their space, beautiful new great room here. Uh, so thank you all for that. Um, to our sponsors, Holland and Knight here in Nashville, um, Holiday Ventures, so Evan and Chase, thank you for that. Uh, Red Spirits and Wine in Bellevue. And um, yeah, that's it as far as our sponsors. Um, so just to tell you a little bit about Phoenix Club, we are a 100% volunteer-led uh, 501c3, and we have a dual mission. First part of that mission is to help the underserved youth of Middle Tennessee. So we raise money, we put our own funds in, and we find grant opportunities uh, to do that. And you can see there's a couple billboard or, uh, easels out there that highlight some of our grants from last year. The other thing we do is leadership development, and that's what you're here doing tonight. A lot of our members are here. Hopefully some of our guests have had a chance to talk with them about that and being involved in the community, uh, especially from a, a you know civic engagement level, is uh, a big part of what we're trying to do. So. With that being said, I'm going to hand it off to Steve Cavendish and Dimitri Kalademos, and uh, we'll let the show begin. Thank you. Thank you. Steve and I are the current staff of the new Nashville Banner, which is also a news nonprofit, a 501c. Thank you. I'm Dimitri Kalademos, longtime journalist and now executive producer at the Banner. Uh, I'm Steve Cavendish. I'm the editor and president of the of the new banner. Uh, if you want to check out our work, uh, go to NashvilleBanner.com. You can find give us your email, and we will send stories to your inbox. Uh, and then starting June one, uh, we're going to roll out expanded election coverage uh, of the mayoral, uh, vice mayoral, and council races. Uh, which point we hope to you know make you completely sick of this coverage here by the time August 3rd rolls around. <laughs> but you'll be so informed. You'll be so informed. So informed. Um, we want to thank the candidates here today. We drew numbers backstage uh, because these guys do this a lot, so we figured we would try to randomize it here a little bit. Uh, and so we're going to start with Vivian Woolhoy. Well, we hold on. We should actually introduce the candidates. <laughs> <laughs> Vivian is the assessor of property for Metro Nashville. Next to her is Sharon Hurt, council member at large. Uh, next to her is State Senator Heidi Campbell and State Senator Jeff Yarbrough. Matt Wilshire, former MDHA executive. Uh, Freddie O'Connell, who is a Metro council member. And former Alliance Bernstein executive Jim Gingrich. Welcome to our candidates. Vivian, we will start with you. In the most recent Vanderbilt poll, 47% of Nashvilleans said growth and changes have made their day-to-day -day life worse, a percentage that has doubled in the last five years. How do you plan to help Nashville manage growth in the next four years? Well, first, let me say thank you for having me here today. And this is an awesome opportunity. Being a graduate of Tennessee State University and um, degree in business administration, this is a wonderful place to be and to be connecting with others in the same field. We have to manage growth by ensuring that we don't have zonings that are gonna create a lot of density. As far as having the zonings that is needed, 
you want to have the growth that's necessary, that's needed for every community. You have communities that are walking community, biking communities, and what have you. But when you have zonings that have resulted in large amount of density, it is important that we not continue to do that. That's one of the reasons why we have the immense growth that we have, growth that we have today. So in that point, I think that that's one of the major things, talking to your neighbors about what, talking to the people in the community about what they want in their community is also very important. We don't have enough walking communities in Nashville, Davidson County. And in order for us to get there, we're going to have to talk with the community members that lives there, what they're looking for. It is all about connection. It is all about communication. That's how you reduce growth. That's how you manage growth. The growth has gotten out of hand here in Nashville. There's no doubt about that. And that is the reason why we have the problems that we have today. In order for us to get back into order when reference to growth, we're going to have to have like-minded people that are on the, the planning commission that is going to help manage the growth. And as mayor, that is who I'll be pointing to the planning commission. Councilmember Hurt. Thank you so very much. So uh, growth here in Nashville has been a tale of two cities. It's been too many people getting the same benefits from all of the wonderful uh, growth and, and financial benefits. And then you have those that have been forgotten. And my intent is to be a hope and prosperity on every block. Now, I always want to go to that downtown. We all know Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Michael Jordan would hit 50, 60 points every time, right? But he never won a championship until he got Scottie Pippen in the game. Scottie Pippen is North Nashville. Dennis Rodman, East Nashville. We have Tony Kuko in South Nashville. And my main man, Steve Kerr, in West Nashville, going to drop the threes all day long. <laughs> now, you got to get everybody in the game, and that's when you win championships. You got to make sure that they all doing what they need to do and who does that? Nobody but the man himself, but Phil Jackson. And I am the female Phil Jackson. <laughs> Nashville needs to change. Change does not happen. Nothing will happen. Let me say that again in a different way. Change, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Nothing changes if nothing changes, and I'm the change that this city needs. We need championship rings. Senator Campbell. So first of all, really, really cool to be here because um, I went to school here, and it was much uh, simpler then. It's very, very nice now. I'm a little jealous, I'll be honest. Um, so growth itself is not necessarily such a bad thing, and there have been some good things about growth, but the theme of my campaign is, are we building a place to visit or a place to live? And that's because I think a lot of Nashvillians feel like it's not been, uh, we haven't been focused on them. So in the future, I think we need to give Nashvillians some love. And giving Nashvillians some love and supporting growth are not mutually exclusive. But, you know, some of the things we've been doing have been benefiting out-of-town developers and corporations to the detriment of the people who live here. And I know we all see that when we're driving around and uh, there are potholes in the road and litter everywhere. And um, we certainly see that in the inequity in our schools. We're an incredibly redlined city. 
and we need to make sure that we are triaging the inequity um, that we're finding in some of our schools where you have schools like Glendale in South Nashville that do really well and then schools like Bordeaux that are really struggling. So um, so I guess we just need to make sure that in the, in the future months we're giving Nashville and people who live here more love while supporting good growth. Senator Yarbrough? Uh, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here tonight, and I think this is a huge question. I'm running for mayor because I think we need to make Nashville work and work for all of us, and part of that is just is getting a handle on growth. I don't think there's any question but that the growth and development of the city is growing at an exponential rate at some level, and the infrastructure, housing, and services are growing much more incrementally. And the distance between those two spots is basically the frustration and anxiety that people are feeling all over the city. So finding a house that you can afford in a neighborhood you love shouldn't feel like winning the lottery. And driving to work or dropping your kids off at school shouldn't feel like you're navigating around road closures and, and dodging potholes constantly. But that's what we've got right now, and it feels like growth is happening to us, not for us. I think you do actually have to take advantage of density where there's demand and infrastructure for it so that we don't have just constant, uh, you know, people driving until they can afford housing. You need to actually build affordable housing throughout the city so that you're not taxing every roadway as people drive until they can afford a place to live. Then I think we've got to really focus like a laser on what's going on in people's neighborhoods. Because the thing that people mind is that it, there's no place for them to go for a walk in their, in their part of town. And I think we've got to focus on the pedestrian infrastructure and small-scale infrastructure like parks and greenways that, where people live their lives. Matt Wilcher. Thank you. Thank you, Steve and Demetria. And thank you to all of you guys for being here. There are a lot of things that you could be doing on a Monday evening. And I am grateful that you all are here because you care about the city. And that is really inspirational for me. Um, my answer maybe is going to be a little bit different than some of the rest of these folks. I think you want a city that is growing, not one that is shrinking or dying. Um, it is easy to forget where Nashville was just a decade ago. Unemployment was over 8%. There were empty subdivisions. There were a lot of people who were out of work. I spent eight years working with three different mayors, including one who was here, helping provide jobs for Nashvillians and making smart investments in neighborhoods that had been neglected for far too long. Now, I think a lot of the frustration that a lot of folks, like me, who grew up here, are feeling right now is because it feels haphazard and unplanned. Nashville Next was a plan for our city. It's now eight years old. A lot has changed since then. So I think to address the feelings that a lot of folks have about the struggles in Nashville, it's about being intentional. It's about updating Nashville Next, going out, talking to communities about what they want to see in their neighborhoods, and then implementing that. That's what's been missing over the last few years. That's what I will do as mayor. Well, my name is Freddie O'Connell. I'm running for mayor. And this is a fundamentally an election about priorities and preparedness. And we just had the biggest opportunity to talk about whether or not we were going to do growth to us, with us, for us. Uh, and we elected to put $4 billion worth of investment into a city for people to visit. 
Uh, I said no, I voted no on a deal that should have been much better for this city. And how do I know? Because we've been building the toolkit for the executive function and the spending priorities that the mayor's office ought to have, trying to keep short-term rentals, Airbnb, from overrunning our neighborhoods, pulling hundreds of party buses off of our streets and throwing all but a few scooter companies off of our sidewalks and streets as well. Uh, that's what I've been working on on Metro Council, and I'm excited to use the spending priorities and executive function of the mayor's office on us as Nashvillians. We, I know that from working in neighborhoods that what Nashvillians want right now is more Ville and less Vegas, and that's what I'm going to work on as mayor. Jim Gingrich. Thank you. Uh, I say to folks, if you get in your car and you don't know where you're going, you're going to burn a lot of gas and you may not like where you end up. And if you have a city which is growing in an unrestrained way and you don't have a plan to manage it, you do end up with what we have today. And you look around. It's, it's a whole set of symptoms that stem from that. The cost of living here, infrastructure, rising crime, underfunded schools, neighborhoods that flood, that, that flood now that never used to, the fact that we're stuck in traffic. And it is a big deal because these are things we've been talking about for a long time and that's why it's so upsetting when you have our political establishment that spent much of the last two years figuring out how to give the largest public subsidy in the history of sport to a billionaire. We can do better. But when you have leadership like that, you end up with a city, our city government today is spending 60% more per resident than it spent 10 years ago. We have more metro workers per resident than we had 10 years ago, and we can't keep our roads in good condition. We have somehow become the pay more, get less city. I'm not like necessarily everybody else on this stage. I do come from a business background where I oversaw thousands of employees and a multi-billion dollar budget, about the same size as Metro. And that's because I have a long career of proving time and time again that I could get things done. And that's what we need to start to do in our city. We can grow, but it has to be with a purpose and a plan to benefit the people who live here. Thank you. Our next question is about education. We're going to start with Sharon Hurt. Uh, overwhelmingly, Nashvillians say that they want public education improved. As mayor, though, you'll have limited tools at your disposal. What is something specific that your administration will do to help move the needle on education? The one thing that I will do as mayor is make sure that kids in the first grade are reading at their grade level. As we saw with the TCAP scores today, and as we've known for some years now, that they now are building pipelines to prison. And I want to build pipelines to prosperity. What we've got to do is restore hope on those children, restore hope into their families. We've got to address the entire family and the ecosystem with that. There are resources that need to be invested into those kids. And if they don't see those positive things, then they're going to focus more on the negative things. So that's one thing it is that I want to do. And that is going to encompass reading literacy. Because in the first formative years, four, five, and six, our kids learn to read. After that is when they read to learn. And if they, don't, if they are not reading to learn, then we know that we have lost them. So I'm going to make sure, starting with early childhood education, but make sure that by the time that they are finished with that first grade, they are going to be reading on their grade level, and they're going to have hope and believe that they will see Jane run. Senator Campbell? 
So this is one area where scope of perspective is super important. As the mayor of uh, a small city in Nashville, I had Glendale and Overton, both in my city. Glendale's a school that is practically like a private school because you have parents that invest in the school. And Overton's a school that's very challenged where we have a lot of um, you know, immigrant populations and people that, um, that are really struggling financially. Um, and then to have the perspective as a state senator of seeing what just happened when we went from the BEP, which was a formula nobody could seem to explain, to TISA, which is a formula that did uh, really horribly for Nashville. Um, the fact of the matter is we do not fully fund public education in this state. And so in Nashville, which is an incredibly redlined city, the way this manifests is that we have winners and losers. And um, the way to triage that inequity for a state that's not going to be funding public education anytime soon is with community school organizers. Um, community school organizers are single individuals that are hired for a school to build services around that school from the community through churches, nonprofits, businesses, and find the support specifically for that school that are necessary so that that school can, can achieve more success um, and compete with these other schools so that we can actually uh, make sure that we're taking care of all of our schools in Nashville. So, um, so I support community school organizers, um, and that's something that my administration will, will do right away. Senator Yerber? Uh, let's be clear, providing a top-notch education for my first-grade daughter and eighth-grade son is the most important thing Nashville does for my family, and I think that's true for a lot of families. If we don't get public education right, it is something that is going to be a, uh, a huge deficit for our city going forward, and I think everybody gets that. The mayor can't micromanage education, but I do think there are a few critical things the mayor has to do. Right now, we are facing, not just in Nashville, but across Tennessee and the country, a teacher shortage, which makes sense if you think about it here. We actually pay teachers better than anybody else in the state in Nashville, but this is a state that chronically underfunds education, and this is a city with an affordable housing problem where teachers still make below median. The mayor needs to be a full partner with the school system in the terms of recruiting, retention, and, and of our teaching core because you can't invest in public education if you're not investing in public educators. I also think that you've got to really think about what the mayor can do from the beginning from prenatal, if you will, through pre to, to before kindergarten and then at the end. So we should really be thinking about how do we get more of our children ready for kindergarten when they start. That means higher quality pre-K, uh, pre child care, and those types of things. But then we should be much more effective at the on the back end of transitioning from high school to our community colleges, four-year colleges, and ultimately to the workforce. So I'm a graduate of Metro Nashville Public Schools. Born and raised here, went to Aiken, where Freddie also went. Go Aiken Eagles. And my wife, Christy, and I have six kids between us. Please pray for us on that. <laughs> Each one of the five older kids has gone to Metro Nashville Public Schools for at least part of their education, and our youngest will start kindergarten. That is the most important thing that we can do as a city to level the playing field because every single school in Nashville should be a world-class school. And that's not the case today. And that is unacceptable. 
Now, the question was, what's one thing specifically that you will do for public education? And the reality is, there's not one thing. There isn't one silver bullet. We didn't get here overnight. We're not going to get out of here overnight. There are a hundred decisions that we should make. It's really about prioritization. Let me also say that as mayor, I accept full responsibility for the performance of our public school system. It is not okay to say, well, there's a school board over there, and so I can't really do anything about it. As mayor, I will be responsible and accept full responsibility. And if the schools aren't improving, I accept responsibility for that. That is what a leader does, takes responsibility. There are a bunch of things we can do, but the first thing to do is to say, we are asking our teachers to do an impossible task, and that is solve all of society's problems without providing them the resources to teach in the classroom and for kids to learn. It's a long, complex answer. Please go to my website to see the, some of the many things that we Thank need you. to do to improve our public education system in Nashville. This is already on day one question. And right now, uh, we've got third graders across Nashville and across the state of Tennessee and their parents in a state of desperate anxiety because of third grade retention laws. Well, we're in luck here in Nashville because the United Way has worked on a brand new program, basically a reboot of the blueprint for early childhood success. It's now Raising Readers Nashville. The mayor's office can lean into that program incredibly powerfully and support that initiative to make sure that no third graders going forward suffer the same fate that third graders are experiencing right now today. Metro Schools just expanded one of the most important programs in the city, Community Achieves. If none of your families are in a Community Achieves school, let me tell you, it is one of the things that let us move Napier, one of the most challenging schools in the city, from a priority school to a reward school based on its growth, because we had somebody in the school focused on bringing resources in. Now, that was paid for by one-time funding, and it's expanded this year, and we're going to have to figure out how to keep it going, because it is the pathway to long-term student success. I had to walk away from a professional opportunity a few years ago because we didn't know the secret handshake when our older daughter got into Aiken. So I'm proud to be raising second generation Aiken Eagles, but we didn't have a guaranteed on-site aftercare seat for her. And I had to leave the office at 3 p.m. every day. It is imperative that we make choosing our public school system easier for working families. I will be working toward that goal. And on top of that, we have the earliest high school start times in the country. That is not a badge of honor. It's something the mayor's office can work with the school district to solve logistics on. I aim to do exactly that. So my mom never went to college. Uh, her Dad was a sheet metal worker. They couldn't afford it. My dad was raised by a single mom, passed away while he's still in high school, and through a miracle, he did get to college, worked his way through. Together, they built a better life than their parents. I'm a product of public schools as well. I didn't go to a magnet school. I just went to the high school, uh, worked my way through college, and I was lucky enough to build a better life than my parents. That should be the dream of every kid in Nashville today. But for the majority, that is too often a dream and not the reality. If you were born poor in Nashville, you are more likely to remain poor than in 80% of the cities in the United States. That's wrong. Your zip code should not determine your future. For me, there is no bigger priority than investing in our kids, and that starts with education. I agree with Matt. The mayor cannot not accept responsibility for the performance of our school system, it is just too important. I think we can do three things, at least I would. One is, I'd build a comprehensive five-year plan together with the superintendent and the board of directors, or the, uh, the, the, the school board on how we're gonna prove outcomes in our schools. 
then I'm committed to fund it, no matter what it costs. And three, we're going to hold people accountable for delivering it, starting with me. Vivian? Just for starters, I'm sitting like this because I need to, okay? <laughs> Listen, I was a two-term council member, okay? And one of the things I always heard was, you can't do anything but fund the school system. You cannot micromanage. That's fact. But we can show accountability. We can request for accountability. No, I'm not going to take responsibility for our failing schools if I'm fully funding schools. I'm going to work and look for accountability with Superintendent Battle. That's her job. We have to trust her to give us the, the information we need in order for our schools to be successful. So I'm going to listen to Dr. Battle. I'm going to work with Dr. Battle and the school board. That is what the mayor should do. And we should listen to her when she says what needs to be provided to them for them to do a successful job. So that's start out there. Now, what about teachers? Teachers need to be paid competitively. Their staff needs to be paid competitively. That is what's missing right now. I do give this administration right now the, the credit for raising teachers' pay, but it's not enough. It's not enough. So that is what needs to happen. We need to competitively pay and pay every year. Don't give them a pay this year and not give them a pay raise next year. They get bottom, they get further down in the, in the crab bucket. Let's make that happen. When I'm mayor, we're raising the teacher's pay every year. This next question begins with Senator Campbell. In the last two years, how much have you used public transportation on a monthly basis? Do you think transit is effective enough for you to just ditch your car? Uh, so, no, I, I have not used public transportation a lot because it's really hard to use. Um, so we have this really weird wagon system where we've got spokes that um, we do have bus routes on, but our lateral connectivity is, is pretty bad. Um, we are very much an automobile city. We're way, way behind in transit. Um, I served on the South Corridor Task Force and the Transit Alliance, and my big project when I was the mayor of Oak Hill was to try to get a multimodal path down from Franklin Pike, and it was a big education in how you have to get uh, buy-in from citizens first. You would have thought I was killing puppies. It was like a Williamson County School Board meeting every day. Um, so I learned a lot. Um, but I, I have to say, uh, we need bold vision um, yesterday. And um, one thing I, I'd like to look at is TDOT did a study about moving Radnor Yards out to Wilson County. And what that would do is actually create freight traffic around the city so that the train lines would be available to us in the city, maybe for train routes, maybe for buses, maybe for multimodal connectivity. But as anybody who's looked at transit in Nashville knows, the opportunity costs of not doing something like that are really high because it's hard to find right of way and it's really, we can't go underground because we're on solid limestone. Um, so that, and then we have to continue to do the hard work of multimodal connectivity where you have sidewalks and bike paths that go along and just end. And we have to, we have to continue to connect those because if we can't reach the transit, we can't use it. Senator Yarbrough? Thank you. Uh, so my route, if I, if I, on the days that I can use, is, is the 50 down Charlotte to the Capitol. And I probably use that once a month on average because it doesn't work for the rest of my life. I mean, I think we have a system that is designed for commuting, 
back and forth, but we don't have one that works for dropping kids off at school that, that, that really accommodates enough of life. And I think that we've got to really step up here. We are one of the only cities in the country that doesn't have an actual built-out transit system. I think we're one of three that doesn't have dedicated funding of our size. And we are about 30 years behind here. Now, I think we need to commit there, but the, probably the most important thing when it comes to transit is we gotta stop having a new vision of transit every time we elect a new mayor. You don't build transit on four-year timelines or even eight-year timelines. You need to be thinking much more on decades and two-decade timelines and thinking through how we're going to do these things. That doesn't mean that there's not urgent work for the next mayor to do. I think the mayor urgently needs to recommit to having conversations with the regional mayor's caucus to think about how to deal with transportation regionally and start making the improvements in not just how reliable and frequent service is, but how much how easy it can be to use your phone to plan trips, tap to touch for, to make it easier for people to use the system we have. So I've not used transit very often over the last year. I entered this race for mayor about a year ago. We have a very big county and I have not used transit very often. I did use transit almost every day when I was a kid growing up. I went to Meg's for middle school, used, used MTA, uh, then called MTA. Now we go almost every day when I was going to and from school and in high school, I used it. But I think there are some significant investments that we can make in the current transit system to make it more usable for folks who live here. First, there are some operational improvements, the better bus system, we can talk more about that, to improve the frequency of service along high transit ridership lines and to extend the hours of service so it works for more people. Second, I think there are some investments that we can make in transit. The first one that I would make is to invest in making sure that we have high-frequency transit along a route down Murfreesboro Pike, including from the airport to downtown, and to put affordable housing at transit stops. Now, the 55 Murfreesboro is already the highest ridership transit line, so we're well-positioned to leverage federal investments by making that the first investment. That's how we start to build a more usable transit infrastructure in Nashville and to have it work for people who actually live here. So I think there are some significant investments that we can make. And I think that by over time investing, I think Jeff's right, extending this transit investment plan beyond the term of any one mayor, we can build a system that works for more people. I heard the trusty number seven here tonight. Uh, it's easy to do. We have a transit system. It may not work for everything in your life, but you can use it. Uh, two quick pro tips, visit quicktickettn.com. Get the fare app on your phone. It's easy to have when you can preload it with rides or with a day pass. Uh, and download the transit app so you can do trip planning. It's incredible. We have real-time data about every bus in the fleet. Uh, the WeGo Star, our one commuter rail line, and the commuter coaches around the county. As a former chair of the Transit Authority Board, I can tell you two things. We've done a, tra a transportation plan this, this term that sets us up for the future. It shows us a roadmap of everything from the basic transit improvements we need to make and the smart corridors we need to make with them, along with state of good repair for the rest of our infrastructure. Meanwhile, we go public transit, our transit authority, has a three-year program of community transit centers to build and the crosstown routes that will connect them so that the expensive double V and the difficulty of using life, uh, using that for commuting, if you're just 
a working person that has a two-hour commute, we can cut that massively. And all of that fits within the span of a, what is now a $3 billion city by operating capacity. However, we are five years past the anniversary of the failure of the transit re referendum. And I will commit to you as mayor that we will restart the conversation about dedicated funding for transit so we can join the other major American cities, which we should be. We are one. It's time to pull on our big city pants and act like one. So look, transit and, and congestion and everything else is, again, what happens when you grow and you're not making the investments that you need to and you don't have a plan. Uh, we have studied transit multiple times. I think everybody here would agree they're frustrated that we haven't done more. The, the, I, I, I confess, like everybody else pretty much on this panel, with maybe the exception of Freddie, I have not been a big user of transit because of the issues that we have with our system. Uh, there are very basic things that we could start to do right now, whether or not that is get our traffic lights timed properly, keep our roads in good condition, increase the frequency of bus service, high volume routes, as Matt said, these are all things that we can do quickly. But I'd also tell you, if we're thinking about this, we have to think about pedestrian safety. You know, we had 49 deaths last year, which is unacceptable. And there's some very basic things we should be doing there, whether or not that is traffic calming, fixing dangerous intersections, and a whole host of other things, that has to be a priority too, because we, we need to get to the bus stop. Third thing, 90% of our population growth is a, in our, is a region in the last five years has been in the counties that surround Davidson. And when you look at who is driving downtown, at least half the time, if not more, it is somebody from outside of Davidson. So any great transit system is ultimately a regional system, and we have to get to work on making that happen too. Well, when I think about mass transit, I'm, I had to laugh because I haven't been on the bus lately, okay? But before I started this race, I said, I gotta go and have me a, a drink, okay? And I took an Uber. That was my mass transit for the moment. But my point is, there's no economic parity in Davidson County for me to take the bus conveniently. He was able to jump on the bus and go wherever he wanted to go and get here, and he'll be able to get back home before it's dark. I live in Southeast Davidson. I'm gonna have to go from here to the downtown hub. I have to wait a, a mighty number of hours to get there, and my husband would be looking for me, okay? We have to close the gap on the economic parity for neighborhoods that are situated under the same tax rate. In Southeast Davidson, we pay the, the urban service district rate. They pay the urban service district rate too, but I don't have the same services that they have. So how can I take advantage of mass transit? buses. I think bus service should be free. We can go there. It's already been accomplished in other cities. And that way, maybe I won't mind walking a long way and waiting a couple hours downtown to take a free ride somewhere in my beloved city. If I'm mayor, we're going to close the gap on economic parity in the neighborhoods situated in the same tax districts. Sharon? I'm going to go back to the education question because I think this is impressive. I went to school for 12 years and did not miss a day. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, as far as the transportation is concerned, I'm a very pragmatic, you know, common sense kind of person. I think we do have to have multimodal uh, transit. 
but no more scooters. No more scooters. I believe that, as I said, we've got a lot of people that are coming from outside. I think we need to have that HOV lane, use it, regulate it, and just let it be used by those individuals who are coming from out of town. Everybody else stay in the other three lanes. I think we also need to have a flex schedules. My kids, I had two kids went to magnet schools. And I, and I live in Bellevue. And um, the, the buses come out there, and there's about three people on a bus. I think if we took four or five buses and put them and sent them all around the city, put the magnet school students on those buses, we would eliminate hundreds of cars being on the street. Now, when I got disgusted with what was going on, not necessarily for me, and I rode the bus twice this year, but I rode it from my office, not from Bellevue, I created my own jump shuttle to make sure that the older people in the community had an opportunity to get to the grocery store, get to their doctor's appointments, and do the things that they wanted and needed to do. Question four is about stadiums. Uh, we'll start with Senator Yarborough. Uh, as a city, we've been all over the map on stadiums. Uh, we completely covered the cost of Nissan Stadium and First Horizon uh, Park, the home of the Sounds. Uh, Jodas Park was built largely by Nashville SC, with the city providing land and infrastructure. The new Titan Stadium will be built with more than $800 million in revenue bonds from the city. Metro currently has $30 million in its capital improvement budget for practice facilities for either a women's soccer or WNBA team, if we can attract one. Nashville is currently high on the list for potential Major League Baseball expansion. Uh, according to published reports. How would your administration approach a big-ticket sports franchise, and what kind of parameters would you have for the city's participation in a deal? Well, that's a small question, Steve. I like it. I mean, so I think you, you're, you're really talking about a lot of different issues there, and I think we should be thinking about all of these things as they come. I don't think that you should have a just instinctual response about this. I think we should be very careful about any time that we're investing taxpayer dollars into public, public projects like stadiums. But I also think you gotta recognize, there are a lot of people who have said up here, oh, I was against using any public dollars in the, for the Titan Stadium, when that's just not true. They were for using a different set of public dollars on a different stadium project. I, you know, my priority when this came before me in the legislature has been to push those dollars off of property taxes that every one of you is paying and push those dollars onto the tourists that are using our hotels, the economic development, so that we're pushing that to where it should belong and safeguarding our property tax dollars for schools. I think that was a right decision, and I think that's what we should have done. I think that we don't need to be leading the charge into more stadium business right now in Nashville until we start paying a lot more attention to the little league fields in our neighborhoods. I think that we have about reached, <laughs> reached where our, our appetite should be, but I think that that's the, the priority that we need to have right now in the city. The approach that I would take to stadiums and any future deals would be the same approach that I've taken to each one of the opportunities that I looked at, both as the Director of Economic and Community Development and working on affordable housing at MDHA. And that is, is Nashville better off 
or worse off when we're looking at this transaction. That's how we should approach everything, quite honestly, from education to affordable housing, and it's certainly true on stadium deals. Now, specifically on a couple of deals that have come before us, I think that being sticking to your word and being a person of your word, being a city of your word, is one of the most important things. If people can't trust you, if you go back and forth and waffle, then you're never gonna get anything done. So being a person of your word, being a city of your word, <clears throat> is it incredibly important. Second, it's is Nashville better off or worse off after we're looking at this? We need to make sure that the city is better off. The taxpayers of Nashville are better off. The citizens of Nashville are better off after each opportunity that we look at as a city. That's what I have done, that's what I will do, and that's what all of us should expect. It takes a leader to step up and make tough decisions. I have done that. I've got a track record. We should look at what each of us has done over the time in office and what we're committing to do as a city going forward. Is Nashville better off or Nashvillians better off? So we just executed the largest deal in the history of the city. And the state did have a role in negotiating it and contributed $500 million, which is still our money. It's, we're Tennesseans. And the state used it to justify further erosion of our local control by taking six out of the 13 seats on our sports authority. Now, the sports authority is still charged with issuing bonds in all of our names, and this wasn't just some stadium deal, right? The predators, to Steve's point, as he asked the question, negotiated a deal with the city that took taxpayers completely off the hook. Property taxpayers are completely protected there. The present and future condition of that stadium is negotiated already. Geodis Park, we not only did a deal that protected taxpayers and Metro Council got to participate in it, it was collaborative. The community, independently of any government entity, went out and negotiated its own deal so that wages, labor agreements, and childcare and affordable housing were all a part of that. And then we came back around and got some more concessions on infrastructure costs. The, where we are with the Titan Stadium is we had $400 million waiting in existing revenue sources to cover the terms of that deal. And now we're on the hook for 500 to $700 million more in infrastructure on the East Bank. So what we got to be thinking about is not just the stadiums, but the side effects. And so now the East Bank has a vision plan. And we're only going to know if that deal was successful, if the people who are working in the stadium can afford to live on the public land that is right there. That's the problem we're going to have going forward. So I'm kind of a believer in common sense, which is why last July I wrote a letter to council explaining my concerns with the terms of this deal. Not that I'm opposed to a new stadium, but the terms of the deal made no sense to me. And I also wrote an op-ed in the Tennessee at the same time. Cost me a lot of friends. But look, it's common sense. I mean, Nashville of 2023 is not Nashville of 1996. We are enthusiastically supporting four professional sports teams. We're at the top of the list for Major League Baseball. We are a growing, vibrant city with a robust tourist industry. That is not where we were in 1996, but we negotiated a 1996 deal. The idea that the city, as strong as Nashville, would be providing the largest public subsidy to an NFL owner in the history of sport, and not just by a little, by a lot, and be on the hook for ongoing maintenance and ongoing upgrades, that is all part of the deal. Now, to me, 
it's done. But I think it says a lot about who's in this field, the folks that supported it versus some of us who did not, because it says something about your fiscal responsibility. It says something about where your priorities are, because we all know we have a ton of priorities that have to do with the quality of life in this city. Vivian? Well, this is going to get back to my husband, because he loves baseball. But I'm going to be absolute no on it. Why? Because we have to take care of our neighborhoods. We've done all that we have done so far to create football and basketball and, and so many other sports entertainment. And I'm all about that. Don't get me wrong. But we have to change our priorities to help our neighborhoods. I just talked about economic parity. It's going to take money for that. We talked about affordable housing, but people want to be able to live in Nashville. It's going to take public-private partnerships for that, but it's going to still take money. And I would invest in affordable housing in a big way. We cannot keep pushing and giving all of these incentives like that to people who really don't need it. But we can't give incentives if you're going to give us something in exchange. And it's going to have to benefit Nashville is going to have to benefit the people, you, our neighborhoods, because we're taking on the extra, whether it's increased traffic, whether it's more uh, crowded schools, more cars on the road, we're taking that on. And we have to be able to say no sometimes, even when it looks real good. We'll get that chance again. We're Nashville. They want to be here. Trust me. Thank you. Well, I think having the stadium brings revenue because I passed a an, an amendment, 25% to go to small minority and women-owned businesses. And that means on that $4 billion, $625 million coming back to the community to do the things that the community wants done. It, you have to spend money to make money. That's common sense. And you got to spend good money the deal that we had was not a good deal, and this is a much better deal than what we had, particularly for Tennessee State University, because they were paying before, and now they will not have to pay. This is an opportunity to create jobs, an opportunity to provide some housing. All of the things that we're talking about doing, I believe that the stadium deal and the money that's going to come from it will give us that opportunity. Five, four of the last five budget and finance chairs voted in favor of the stadium. So we talk about the East Bank development. If you also add that number of 25% on that $20 billion development, all of that money is going to come back for us to be able to do the things that this city needs to build our infrastructure, take care of our schools, and provide the affordable and attainable housing that we need. It's a classic dynamic in politics that we have to say the people who are doing things are bad and we're going to make it better. Uh, the fact of the matter is when you come in as a mayor, what you need to do is deal with the decision that's been made and get the best possible deal going forward for the people that you represent. This decision for this particular stadium has been made. Um, I certainly would like to see some more investment in the arts. 
Um, TPAC is going to be moving, and I think that it would be great if we had a good theater downtown since we're doing this. Uh, since there is a plan to put light rail in, it'd be great to have the bachelorettes come in and the bachelorettes go back out um, to the airport. Um, I served in St. Paul on the, uh, on the light rail uh, commission and the district when we were planning light rail. And I do think that that would be a huge game changer for Nashville. So, I mean, our job is not to litigate the decisions that have been made, but to make sure that we're getting the best possible deal for Nashville going forward. And each decision about future things should be made on its own merits. But, you know, vilifying these decisions is, is really not worthwhile. All right, this next round will begin with Matt Wilshire. So let's talk about housing and affordability, shall we? By almost any metric, Nashville rents have exploded in the last few years. One estimate from a national home marketing firm showed that Nashville rents increased more than 30% just between the summer of 2021 and 2022. The median rent in Nashville in March was $2,117. This affects much of the workforce in our city, including almost all of the services industry. What is something that you can do to address the cost of housing for non-owners? This is something that I've actually worked on. When you are looking at housing, the whole issue comes down, as it does for all of these issues, to supply and demand. There has been far more demand for housing in Nashville than there has been supply created. But I have actually been working at the Housing Authority over the last several years to create more housing for Nashvilleians, both owners and renters. That's what we have to do as Nashville. Someone needs to step up and take executive leadership to make this system work for people in Nashville. It starts by thinking, as it did on the stadium question, about how can Nashvilleians be better by the decisions that I make as the executive. That's something that I've done. I did it in economic development, I did it in affordable housing, and I will continue to do that as mayor. Focus on how we can take the great assets of this city, and we have many, and use them to make sure that Nashvilleans are actually better off. Now, we've got a lot of things going for us in this city, but we've got to work every day harder than we did the day before to make sure that our neighbors are actually benefiting from that. We'll do that in safety, we'll do that in security, and we will absolutely do it in affordable housing. I think that as we focus, we can make a lot of stuff better in this city. Transit is affordable housing policy. And the reason I have the secret knowledge of how easy it was to get here using transit tonight is because I learned years ago by being car-free in Nashville, which was my pathway to home ownership. It's also a pathway to lowering your cost of living if you are renting. Uh, building a better transit system gives more people the opportunity that I had when I bought my house. It's, it was a great way for me to save cost at when I was a renter, before I became a homeowner. I was using transit all the time at that point. So transit is affordable housing policy. I will make sure that we keep those two items connected uh, because the rest of it also matters. 
We have two primary costs of living. It is our raw cost of housing, utilities, et cetera, and transportation. We can drive this one down quickly in three years. On the other, I was astonished just a couple months ago to be in a state presentation that was an amazing categorization of all of the state land, buildings, the operating and capital capacity, the workforce potential. I turned around to Metro Public Property and said, do we have this? Nope. And so I and a couple other council members made sure that we do now. And this is really important because that is the land we can use to develop for affordable housing. This is the first budget, the one we're about to vote on and that the mayor that you elect will preside over that will have $30 million in it for the Barnes Housing Trust Fund, what our Affordable Housing Task Force report recommended for several years in a row. But that's not recurring. That's going to require a mayoral commitment. That is a commitment that I will make as mayor. So I think what frustrates so many of us on affordable housing is that this issue isn't new. We've been talking about it for at least a decade. If you go back and watch the 2015 mayoral debate they were talking about, as Mayor Barry could, could tell you, uh, and we've done multiple studies. They're in three ring binders. They're on the shelf. They're gathering dust. And yet our teachers, our firefighters, our police officers, the folks that serve the city can't afford to live in the city they serve which is just completely unjust. Uh, the issue has now been kicked so far down the road that we literally need tens of thousands of units of housing. And it affects many other things as well. We talked about where people are living. They're not living in Davidson County. That's, in many cases, an affordability issue. If you look at how kids do in school, oftentimes it's a kid who's changing schools that is struggling. And nine times out of 10, that has to do with a lease that comes up and the family has to move. This is an important issue. We can do three things. We do need to properly fund the Barnes Fund to turbocharge our nonprofit sector. We do need to think seriously about land use. It's 2,248 properties. The, 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 and we have to make the city easier for private developers because this issue is literally billions of dollars. We should not be one of the most difficult cities to build affordable housing in if you're a private developer. And we can be much more creative about the financial incentives we use to do so. So it's gonna take public-private partnerships to make affordable housing to happen. That's where it's always been. I mean, government has never, local government has never been the builder of these, whether it be affordable housing or whether it be um, a workforce housing or what have you, it's always been public and private partnerships has made that happen. And we can continue to do that. So yes, like my other colleagues, I would continue to invest in the Barnes Fund, fund no doubt. But I also would like to see us use some of the more than 200 parcels here in Davidson County that's vacant to allow for the public-private partnerships to happen. We can do that. We have the land and you have the other resources that will help us out. And then finally, when we want to talk about the public-private partnership, we would put the connection, we would put some type of, you know, um, I guess you would say criteria in reference to how they're going to make them affordable rental units, but we also want to give people home ownership. We don't want to be in New York and have a whole lot of rental properties and there's no home ownership. We all know that when you have, when you own a home, you have a vested interest in your community. So we want to create that mixed type of 
housing for the people who want to stay here and who are trying to stay here. If you vote for Vivian Wilhoyt, Vivian for mayor, Aunt Vivian, why not that? <laughs> we can make that happen. So I think that it is very important for us to utilize the land that we already have. We need to create housing and we need to preserve housing, especially with our legacy residents. With the jump shuttle, we found that social isolation was the biggest problem. I also served as Director of Admissions and Records at Meharry Medical College, and many of those students needed a place to stay. We know that Tennessee State had students that needed a place to stay. I think we need to have some partnership with some of our local um, residents and provide them with some responsible graduate students that will have some affordable renting that they could use, as well as help those families supplement their uh, funds and their income. We are neighbors to neighbor. I think we could utilize that. I think that there also be, need to be with developers. We're going to have to ask the developers. When you want to build out, give those people who own the land, instead of just buying it, give them a place to stay and let them become part owners of the development. So everybody wins. Again, we have a tale of two cities, and uh, all a rising tide lifts all boats. So if you give them that opportunity to continue to stay as well as benefit financially, I think it makes it a better place for us all. I was talking to a hotelier the other day who was saying that um, business is great, but uh, they can't afford to keep the rooms clean because the staff that would clean the rooms can't afford to live here. Um, so before I came to Owen, I was in the music business. I was in a band, so cliche. I grew up in Nashville. I was in a band, a singer-songwriter. And um, a lot of my buddies who are in the music business can't afford to live here anymore. They're getting priced out of Nashville. And then, you know, of course, we have a very um, sad, sadly rising unhoused population. Um, you know, this is a really um, an indicator of a bigger problem that is really that we're just not taking care of Nashvillians. And I agree with a lot of the ideas here, Barnes Fund certainly. You know, there's an interesting article in the Washington Post today about um, people actually using their um, garages and houses, um, yeah, uh, out, properties to, um, to actually offer housing themselves. Um, there are um, creative ways that we can look at doing this beyond what we've been talking about here. And I think it is not an executive position that the mayor has where the mayor is always making the decisions, but that we need to actually utilize um, the nonprofit's perspective and the people that already know how to do these things. And I think the mayor's office should serve as a venture catalyst, not a venture capitalist, but a venture catalyst um, to, to connect opportunity with need. And, um, and there are a lot of people that are already doing this work. The next mayor of Nashville has to make this a citywide priority. In the legislature, I helped author the legislation that allows Metro to invest in the Barnes Fund and appropriate dollars to acquire properties to, to build affordable housing. And that's all well and good, but at the end of the day, we are adding units not quite as fast as we're losing affordable units. 
we're nibbling around the edges of a problem that is growing harder and harder. And it's not just one that makes us, uh, that doesn't live up to our values where people are priced out. It is an economic imperative for the city, from our tourism sector to almost any employer you're talking to, we've got to be able to house more people in our city affordably. City, making it a citywide priority first, you gotta preserve more housing. We have affordable housing that goes off the market all the time through the cycling through federal programs. We also need to be making sure that we're working with el uh, elderly on pro property tax freezes to better allocate that and keep the affordable housing we got. Second, we gotta better utilize these Barnes funds and our public properties uh, to bring public, pro I'm sorry, bring the private sector off the sidelines and really be part of this. And I think finally, you got to make sure that we're cleaning up and speeding up the zoning, permitting, and codes process to ensure that you can make money by building affordable housing. Because if you're not bringing the private sector into solving this problem, you're not going to solve this problem in Nashville. We're running uh, near the end of our time here. We want to give each candidate a chance to take a minute to uh, give us kind of a closing statement and your pitch for why you should be the next Nashville mayor. Uh, we'll begin with Freddie O'Connell. All right, let me grab my phone and I'll show you the video of the closing statement I go gave at our forum earlier today. <laughs> uh, now, my name is Freddie O'Connell and I'm running to be your mayor. Uh, I grew up here. I love Nashville. I've been working for 20 years as a neighborhood leader, nonprofit leader, civic board member, and now Metro Council member on this project. Uh, and it's why you should know about me that I'm prepared on day one and have the right priorities. When Nashvillians are in need, I don't just send a letter, I show up. When the city announced a few years ago that they couldn't pick up recycling, I got a truck, worked with neighbors, did it myself. And we went beyond that. We actually had opportunities to scale that program, but we were missing a key ingredient. We're missing leadership. And now I know that we need more housing, not just hotels. We need more transportation options, not just more traffic. We need record investments in great schools, more sidewalks and communities, and safety, not stadiums. And that is why I'm running. I keep hearing from people, including tonight, that they are thinking about leaving, and I want you to stay. My name is Freddie O'Connell. I'd love to be here. Thank man. you. Nashville is such a great city, but by a two-to-one margin, people are saying Nashville's going in the wrong direction. And that's because they're feeling the effects of this growth when we don't have a plan, and they translates into their quality of life. We have now kick the can on this issue for much too long. We need to start to get things done. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't get paid when I told them how long the grass was. I only got paid when I mowed the lawn. And we need to start to get things done. The same thing applied in my business career. You know, I oversaw something not that different from the size of Metro. And the issue, as Freddie said, if we don't know the property we owned, that is just one example of how we have to get Metro to work better. So I oversaw something about that size, and I got to that position because time and again, I got things done. And that's what I'm gonna do for Metro. I'm Vivian Wilhoyt, and I ask you for your vote for Mayor of Nashville, Davidson County. Presently, I'm your assessor of property of Nashville, Davidson County, and I came here from Gulfport, Mississippi. Are there any Mississippians in the house? 
All right. So I came in from Gulfport, Mississippi. Well, you know what? We love Nashville. That's why we're here. Nashville gave me my start. Nashville gave me my husband. And Nashville gave me my two beautiful, my handsome boys and my two dogs, Bella and Teddy. I want to take Nashville now to the next level. It's going to take that type of energy. I'm about stronger neighborhoods and stronger businesses. But stronger businesses, we're talking about small businesses, giving them a leg up and a hand up to be also be able to compete. We have not been focusing on that. We need to focus on that. We all have talked about investing in affordable housing, investing in public safety, investing in education. It's all about the same. But we need someone that has that energy and can start it from day one. I am over the office, and my office will tell you, I have come in and changed the culture. Let's change the culture of Nashville, make it better. Thank you. Vivian Wilhoyt for mayor. I'm Vivian. I'm Sharon Hart. I am a results-oriented and action-driven, proven leader. Nashville has a tale of two cities, and I want to restore hope and prosperity on every block, in every community, and not leave one community behind. I have worked in the trenches and fought for the underserved communities. And we need, I live that duality every day. I live in Bellevue, but I work in North Nashville. Graduated from Tennessee State and also Belmont, where I received my master's degree. I have the winning combination. I live it. I know it. I have worked for it for 25 years with small minority businesses. 45 years total with the time that I worked at Meharry with the underserved community and population there. I have transformed communities, transformed nonprofit organizations, and I have transformed people along the way. If nothing changes, nothing changes. And I am the change that Nashville needs. Sharon Hurt, vote for, be alert, vote for Hurt. <laughs> My website is SharonForNashville.com. Thank you. So you see, we all kind of see the issues similarly. Um, there are some differences. Uh, what is different? Why me? Um, because uh, this is not just a municipal situation. We're in the midst of what I would call a hostile takeover from our state right now. Um, as somebody who serves up in the state legislature, I can tell you that um, the state is very interested in, in taking over Nashville. We need somebody who has the relationships, the experience, and the understanding to navigate that. Um, and then as a mayor, um, I have a deep understanding of Nashville and serving on the Greater Nashville Regional Council. Um, I have worked with mayors across the region, and I think that we need a team builder and somebody who's able to calm things down and bring adults to the table so that we can have conversations about how we can make the world a better place for everyone moving forward. Heidi Campbell, voteheidicampbell.com. My cell phone is 615-438-6338. In September, we're going to be electing our fifth mayor in nine years. And it feels like we're going to be electing our fifth mayor in nine years. <laughs> this is a time when our city is at a high stakes moment. We need to have leadership and leadership that you can trust. For the last nine years, people have seen me doing the work of the city in the state legislature. I have found common ground passed over 80 pieces of legislation that have written to advance issues like regulating the downtown party buses, taxing tourists to pay for the clean, clean up and safety downtown, 
tools for affordable housing, dedicated funding for transit, improved funding for public schools. Those are things that we matter. And I've done that work in the relative dysfunctional hellscape of the Tennessee General Assembly. <laughs> Think about what you can do when you actually have an agenda that's set by the good guys and the people of Nashville who are focused on the future. We can come together as a city and start solving the problems that we're facing right now. Thank you, guys. Thank you for hanging with us tonight. Thank you for the great things that you have done. Thank you for the investments you've made in this city. Thank you. My name is Matt Wilshire. I'm asking for your vote. I'm asking for your investment. I'm asking for you to believe in Nashville. I have done the work over the last several years to make our city better, and I will continue to do that as your mayor. My name's Matt Wilshire. I'm asking for you to believe in us. I'm asking for you to believe in you. I'm asking for you to believe in ed education. I'm asking for you to believe in what we can do as a city. My name's Matt Wilshire. I'm asking you for your vote. Thank you. And thank you to all of our candidates. I'd like to also thank our sponsors. They're up there on the board. Owen and Vanderbilt for this beautiful location tonight and the Phoenix Club for helping us organize. Everyone, drive safely, have a good evening, and please vote. <laughs>